Imagine you're in a school. You look around the room and you see 3D printers, virtual reality stations, arts and crafts, a green screen for filming, and more. You might think you're in the school's computer lab, but you're not. You're in the school library. School libraries have undergone huge transformations lately, and today we'll get an insider's perspective on that and more when we visit with the amazing teacher librarian, Amanda Jones. We'll talk about the look of school libraries today, the effects of ebooks on schools, we'll review some great tech tools that teacher librarians can use, and more. Get ready to sail away with all things library in this episode of EdTech on Deck. Hello, 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 and welcome to EdTech on Deck, the inaugural episode of EdTech on Deck. Amanda's happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Brought to you by EdLeo. We are a communication company, and we wanted to help educators communicate with each other. That's why we're putting this podcast together. We are streaming live on some of our social media channels. We're going to stream the audio on our streaming services that you listen to. And we wanted to bring together thought leaders, some of the movers and shakers in education around the globe to talk to you, to bring you together, to build that community together and share best practices about everything EdTech and education in general. And I couldn't be more excited about our first guest, our marketing team, hit it out of the ballpark with this one, uh, finding Amanda Jones out of Louisiana. I am so excited that she is with us. Amanda, welcome. Good evening. How are you? Good evening. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so surprised that you could take time out of your busy schedule. When I read your formal introduction here, they're going to find out just how busy you are and wonder if you ever sleep and how you find time to, to do a podcast uh, like this. But we really thank you for coming. We are going to talk about all things school library. We have one of the best school librarians in the world with us today. I'm going to read your formal introduction, Amanda, and then we'll get started. So I introduced you, our listening audience, Amanda Jones. Amanda is a librarian in Louisiana. Uh, some of her accolades, she was the 2021 School Library Journal Co-Librarian of the Year, a 2021 Library Journal Mover and Shaker, and the 2020 Louisiana School Librarian of the Year. She is also the president of the Louisiana Association of School Librarians. She is an AASL social media superstar and was named in 2022 a K-12 top 30 IT influencers to follow by none other than EdTech Magazine. And you can find more about her at librarianjones.com, librarianjones.com. That's the formal introduction. I will say I took a gander at librarianjones.com. I love when educators like Amanda just freely share what they know is good practice. Um, if you go to uh, Amanda, you just strike me as the kind of person that if anybody called and, and needed some advice, some guidance, you would be there to offer that uh, helpful hints along the way. I was very impressed by everything that you do. And so I thank you again for taking the time to be with us here tonight. Thanks for having me. I do love, I love helping people um, because I had so many people help me along the way and still help me. So many people still help me that, you know, anything I can do to help others. And, and I think we really need to encourage educators not to be afraid to reach out for that help. Um, you know, if I take my ed tech on deck uh, uh, analogy really far, you know, we're not alone in this ocean of, of education. 
Uh, there's plenty of ships passing by, and, and people like Amanda will be there to help when needed. Amanda, let's start tonight by I, I'm always interested to find out how people ended up where they're at. Uh, I, I currently work for Ed Leo. I'm the Ed Leo brand ambassador, but I just ended a 30-year career in education as a technology director. There's no way it, it, on God's green earth that when you asked me when I was five years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have said an educational technology director, uh, but somehow I ended up here. How did you end up uh, in libraries, uh, in education, and involved in all these wonderful things that you're doing? Well, I always played school when I was little. <laughs> So I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. And then when I was working on my undergrad, um, I was working on my undergraduate degree in education. And it was really when the Harry Potter books came out, they like really hit the scene. This is way back in 1997, 98. I'm showing my age. Um, and I I read the, the first three had come out. And I saw so I read them and it just ignited that passion that I had for reading that I kind of lost in high school because you get so busy playing sports and, you know, high school party time. <laughs> but, um, I, uh, I just, you know, I, I reignited that passion. And so I went, uh, the minute I finished the three Harry Potter books in, in a week, um, I went and got special permission. Wait, all three Harry Potter books in a week? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I That's read a voracious fast. reader. <laughs> I read super fast, but I, uh, I went and got special permission uh, from the dean to take graduate level library science classes as an undergrad so that when I graduated with my education degree, I would have both degrees. And so it just, um, I, I went into the classroom for 14 years because the school that I'm at now is the school I wanted to be the school librarian at. So I was just waiting for the former <laughs> librarian to retire. It doesn't seem like those positions open up very they often. Don't. you got to be patient, I guess, in your in your field. They don't. And I, I work at the same school that I went to middle school at. Oh, and my yeah, so it's a small community, and I, I live an hour, I mean, uh, one mile, an hour, one mile from my work, and I just, I loved, I wanted to get some teaching experience in before I was a school librarian anyway to help with behavior management and all of that. Absolutely. Yeah, she retired, and I stepped right into that role, and now I have been there 22 years, and I have six, there are six co-workers that I taught seventh grade, and they work with me now, and I have about 60 what I call grand students, which are student, which are children of kids that I taught that are now adults. <laughs> Now, you've been librarian for 22 or a total of 22? 14 years as an English language arts teacher and then eight years as a school librarian. Wow, that is amazing. It, it, it seems that, the, and I'm not trying to generalize here, but a majority of school librarians come from ELAR classrooms. Do you, do you have colleagues that, do you have any math teachers that become librarians? Have you seen anything odd or, or crazy like that happen? Well, actually, um, my team teacher, so I taught English language arts, and my team teacher for 10 years was a social social studies teacher. And um, I encouraged her to get, she loves to read and she likes ed tech. And I said, well, you should get your library science certification. So she started the second year I did at a neighboring school as a school librarian. So social studies background. But yeah, generally English language arts. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was going to ask if, if you miss the classroom, but I think you're the kind of librarian whose library is just an extension of the classroom. Am, am, I, am I reading you correctly there? It, that's correct. And uh, I, I teach, I teach, actively teach every single student, all 700 in the whole school. And I work collaboratively with all of the teachers uh, in my school to, they book time and we have collaborative lessons and, and I'll get, every student will come to the library at least two or three times a month with one of their teachers to do a collaborative lesson. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Speaking of, of school libraries, we talked a little bit about this as, as we we're getting ready pre-show, but but 
the way I've seen libraries evolve, and, and, and tell me if I'm reading this right, if I go back to when I was in high school, and this was farther back than, than even than you were, um, school libraries were a very different place. They, they were very stoic. They were very quiet. It was the place to shh, you know, be quiet. Of course, and back in my day when I was in, in high school, we're talking about the card catalogs. Some of you younger listeners, go ahead and Google card catalog to find out what I'm talking about because it's got to be in there somewhere. Um, and, and even you know, after 30 years in education, I look back at what library, school libraries were like when I was a teacher even, and they have evolved so much. They have become places that are colorful and, and, and inviting and, and vibrant. Uh, am, I, am I reading that right? Am I seeing a narrow lens or are we seeing that kind of trend happen uh, across the country or across the world, and and when did it start? Give me your thoughts on, on that. Uh, what yes. I'm calling the library metamorphosis. We we have seen a library metamorphosis. Um, I would say in the past 10, 15 years, and I noticed it because several school librarians started sharing what they were going to do on social media when social media started um, beginning more, you know, prevalent in our society. And you could see uh, people started getting more involved with the ed technology, the tools and things. And librarians were some of the first to incorporate those um, into their, you know, into schools, especially things like STEM and STEAM and, um, you know, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality. I've seen a lot of librarians start that first, but yeah, we used to, even 10 years ago when I was at my school, before I was a school librarian, it was still kind of like book check-in, book check-out. And, but now it's completely evolved. And so we, um, I still do the book check-in and book check-out, but I've taught the kids how to do it themselves. So they can uh, check themselves out. Yeah. So they do self-checkout. So I can walk around and help them find the right books. I have more time to help them because I've set them up to take care of their, their own checkout needs. And it's also evolved to where it's more of a collaboration between myself and the teachers, which I think started also around 10 years ago. There were a lot of younger library. I say younger. My mentor is eight years younger than me. <laughs> and I started following her several years before I became a school librarian to see what she was doing. And it's, it was this younger group of school librarians who I feel like got everything going. And, um, we started following them and seeing what they were doing. And now it's transformed. You know, we'll do, uh, it's not just books and we do databases and digital citizenship lessons, teaching kids how to navigate the internet, decipher validity of websites and news sites. I even do, you know, like green screening and virtual reality and uh, escape rooms in the library. It's very collaborative effort now. So it's, you know, not just book checkout, it's book checkout plus lessons, plus the whole school working together. We all work together. Um, in the library. It's the heart of the school. Yeah. And I saw that in, in the school that I just left, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> um, Robert G. Cole High School in, in Fort Sam Houston here in San Antonio. Uh, the librarian became a very collaborative space. And, and, and not only for academics, it almost became the social hub uh, mm -hmm. of, of the of the campus uh, our librarian went as far and i don't this is really going out but um had like a little coffee bar uh for for some of the older kids we were at a high school uh so if they brought a pod and they could put it in the keurig and have a little have a little sip of coffee before um but but i think anything that gets those kids into that environment to begin with whatever hook you're using to get them into the library can then spur them on to to do more things in there yeah, we do a lot of things outside of the box at my school. Like we'll do cardboard challenges, um, a steam club. No, tell do... me about cardboard challenges. Are they, are they building 
they build whatever they want out of cardboard and it there was it's based on there was a kid in california uh, named cardboard arcade. yeah I love so that video. we watch the video and then uh, we read a book and then the kids build their own creations and we have a whole cardboard challenge um and the kids and the parents they all come and they vote on their favorites and uh, so to get them into the library you know and even at orientation like our open house to get the parents to come into the library, I offer free green screening pictures. Oh, how you're an open house to get them in there. So, yeah, it's it's a hub at our school. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I imagine you also deal with the the reluctant readers and, and and those kids that somehow. What what are some of the techniques you use in addition to what what we've mentioned already to maybe hook those kids into reading? Uh, my I had two children. One was a voracious reader. One was a very reluctant reader, uh, who's come around since. But what what techniques can librarians or or uh, teachers or parents even uh, use to kind of get that reading fire started in their kids? Well, you embrace what the kids love, and right now they love graphic novels. And so it's um, it's taken a lot of time to convince. A, several educators or parents that graphic novels are real books, you know, and they, they have a vocabulary that's, um, you know, a lot higher than the normal, the regular novel in comparison. And uh, so you get what they love. So I have been bulking up. We went from 100 graphic novels to about 2000 graphic novels. Wow. So I bulk that they are never in, they're always checked out, but I like to talk to the kids about their interests. Like, do you play sports? Do you have a hobby? What movies do you like? And just have a conversation. And as you're talking to them about what do you like to do in your spare time? And and it just evolves into, well, what if I found a book about this? Or what if I found a book about that? You know, I have a kid who loves to run and uh, runs cross country. And I said, well, there's a Jason Reynolds book called Track or called Ghost. And it's a whole series called the Track Series. And that kid was hooked on those books. And then I'm like, well, if you like that, there's a Kwame Alexander book about basketball. We could get that, you know, and so you try to find their interests. And, and it's not always going to be fiction. Sometimes it's nonfiction. Sometimes it's um, kids wanting to know about science and engineering and cars or, you know, sports figures or ballet or, you know, whatever. So I just try to find out about their hobbies and what they like. Yeah. That, that's amazing. You know, and, and that brings to mind that the, I, I mentioned the metamorphosis of the library itself. Your role as a librarian has, has also just changed dramatically over, over the last 10 years or so. Um, I, I hate to date myself, but, but I think librarian and, and I take myself all the way back to the music man and Madam Librarian. The, the, you're probably familiar with that. Uh, although music man has made its comeback on Broadway. So maybe it's not too old school, but but now, you know, a lot of, and and while we're talking about the role of the library, I hear librarian, I hear media specialist. Is there, are there different camps on that? What, where, where do librarians fall uh, with that debate? It's, it just depends on what part of the country you're in because okay, it's regional. Yeah, it's regional, but a lot of, a lot of us like to say teacher librarian um, so that like people that. recognize that school librarians in general in most states are required to have teaching degrees and that we do have an education background. So we say teacher librarian. Um, there are some people that say media specialist. I like to get away from that because I am a teacher first and foremost. Um, so I say teacher librarian. Most people I know use teacher librarian or school librarian. Love it. Absolutely love it. But yeah, the, the role of the, of the teacher librarian has changed and, and it, uh, it it's just it's fascinating to me and everything that you put up with. Another thing that that, that has changed uh, recently, and, and now we're kind of moving into the technology realm, 
is of course the advent of, of ebooks. Um, when, when ebooks first came around and they've been around for a while, I, I was vehemently opposed to them. I needed to have my book. I want that hard copy. I want the smell of the paper. I want to be able to flip those. And, and what changed my mind was, was actually age uh, because uh, suddenly I can't see as well as I used to. Um, I can't see at night like I used to. And, and when I was trying to read, I had to have a book lamp. Then I had to have my glasses. And, and then when I found out eBooks, you could put a backlight on it. You could enlarge the font. You could do all of that stuff. It kind of sold me. And, and I've seen eBooks really, of course, change bookstores. I mean, we just we don't have bookstores anymore. We've got a few here uh, in Texas that, that uh, I still like to go to the bookstore to find the book I want to read because I like the feel and I like to read the jacket. And then I cheat and I take a picture and I go home and I download it under my e-reader. But I, I, I haven't seen that big a metamorphosis in school libraries because of e-books. Is, is, is well, in general, um, we don't have a large budget. So we either have to choose, at least I have to choose, like I don't have a large budget. So, and e-books tend to be more expensive. So hmm. I focus on the physical in my collection. However, we do partner with our public library and the public library issues every student, all 25,000 in the entire district an e-card. So they have access to all of the e-books from the public library. So I teach the kids all of the different platforms for comics and, and, and e-books and audio books. They just generally, the kids generally prefer the physical books. Um, now I, myself, I, you know, I like the e-books cause I can download them really quickly. I don't have to, you know, if I finish one book in a series, I can just go online and download it. Uh, but I can do that from the library. But the kids just physically like that book in their hand. At least mine do at my middle school. Let's go back to something you mentioned earlier, and, that, and that's working with, with the classroom teacher. Because I think successful uh, teacher librarians, successful libraries really have a lot of open communication, are constantly working with their teachers uh, kind of a two-way, I, I need to know what you're doing in the classroom so that I can support you. You need to know what I have to offer in the library. What what uh, strategies can uh, teacher librarians use to make sure they have that open communication with their staff? I send out a lot of emails, but I also like to walk around um, in between classes when I don't have a class and just have those general conversations with, oh, what are you learning about today? We could do this in the library. Um, and I did that a lot the first year or two until um, now. At first, it was a little bit of a struggle to get the teacher buy-in. But what I also did was we have a social media account for our library, and I would take tons of pictures. And the parents would notice which teachers aren't coming to the library, and they'd email them. <laughs> When's your gonna, class going to go do? Them into the yeah. library. When's your class going to do that in the library? And so it kind of so i you know but just those conversations and showcasing what you're doing and and giving shout outs to the teachers on the social media like miss so-and-so's class came today and we did this lesson together and now when i give my schedule out in the fall i'll give my i'll drop a link at the first faculty in service and i call it the hunger games because they fight to the they fight to the death over it and i will book solid from august to december in about 30 minutes wow. when i send out that link it wasn't like that the first year or two though i had to you know build that trust mm -hmm. and show them what i could do but now it's not a problem so yeah so you mentioned social media which is a great segue to 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 another big uh, Part of this discussion I want to have with you is, of course, this is the podcast is called EdTech on Deck. So we want to talk a little bit about how um, school libraries and, and teacher librarians can use technology in the classroom. 
Uh, you talked about social media. I, I, you know, again, of course, back in my day, there was nothing, no social media, but even as, as far as 10 years ago, maybe a school had a social media account. Now, not only does the school have a social, the, the library itself has a social media account. What a great way to highlight books and the things going on in your classroom. Um, was that a hard sell for you to, uh, with your district or did they say, Amanda, that sounds great. Let's go for it. I jumped in before anybody had one. So <laughs> <laughs> that when I jumped in and I, uh, I, I kind of, it was eight, eight years ago and it was before all the schools in our district even had Facebook. And I went ahead and created a library, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter all at once <laughs> and kind of just asked forgiveness later. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> but now we have, you know, media policies and we have all of that. We didn't have that back then. So I just, I kind of jumped in and then now everybody does it in my district. So. You were, you were a trailblazer. You were a, a teacher librarian ahead of her time. Well, when we got in touch with Amanda, uh, listeners and viewers, uh, we asked her to put together her top 10 technology recommendations for school libraries. Uh, she has supplied that to us. We're going to uh, post that, of course, on our social media uh, after the fact, and uh, we'll put it in the show notes on the audio version of this podcast. But Amanda, let's kind of bring that up and kind of look through some of those wonderful uh suggestions that you have. Um, I've got it pulled up here off to the side. Uh, first one you mentioned, uh, we talked about social media, but you, you, you say you should have a, a website, dedicated website. So yes. let's talk about that. Websites are so important um, for not only for your school library, but for yourself professionally, because you can showcase what you're doing professionally. And that helps you network with other school librarians. I look at other school librarians' personal websites all the time because they post their own lessons and, and, and techniques and tips and things. Um, but our school library has a website and I showcase circulation statistics to the families what are our top 10 checkouts for the month. I post lessons so the parents can click on the lessons and see the different lessons we're doing. I have a picture gallery, a video gallery. Anytime we have, we had yesterday, we had an author visit. So I posted all the pictures on our author. It's for Talk Like a Pirate Day. So we had an author who wrote a book about pirates. Uh, Heidi Schultz wrote Hook's Revenge. And so she came, but I showcase all that on the website, but I also put, um, I have student resources and teacher resources. So that students can go on and they, if they forget how to use their e-card or they forget what is available to them online and then little tutorials that I've made and they'll do the same for the teachers. Like um, especially when in 2020, when we, the buildings closed down for COVID and no, we were not a Google school, so they didn't know how to use. Mm -hmm. So I did all these tutorials and, and I po posted all of that on the teacher website, uh, teacher resource link on our website. And they knew they could go there to find out about all of those things. It's very important to have a school library website. I, I love the fact that you that you say you use your website for resources, but you also use it to just showcase all the wonderful mm -hmm. things going on. And at, at Leo, we call that showcasing your wins. And and I I I always get on the bandwagon that as schools, we do not brag enough about the incredible things that our teachers are doing, that our school librarians are doing. Most importantly, the wonderful things that our students are doing. Um, I'm sure you, you have pictures of their, their cardboard creations yeah. and all of that fun stuff. I, I think the more that we can just showcase all the wonderful stuff that happens, uh, you know, we, we uh, unfortunately sometimes get bashed in the media uh, um, because, uh, you know, sometimes the, the bad news sells. And so, so they don't always highlight all the great things that are happening. So use your website, use that presence as a resource depository, but also to just showcase, like you said, all the incredible things happening 
in your schools. And I like um, to say in the school library world, we we sometimes have to fight for our jobs because of funding cuts. And I always say it's not bragging, it's advocating. So any anytime you can showcase the highlights, it's really advocating for, for school libraries in general. Absolutely. The other thing I was going to mention, because you said you, you, you like to post things for other people and you talk about the projects. I always find that when you post things like that, as you're posting it, you're doing a little bit of self-reflection at the same time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when I would share things through social media, when I was still in the educational setting, I would start saying, oh, we did this and that and that. And then I thought, but you know what, if we had to do it over again, you know, maybe you should try this next time because I would have changed this and changed that. So posting that kind of serves as a self-reflection tool as well. We actually, um, I have a friend, a school librarian friend who lives in Missouri, and I had a lesson and I posted that I just did not like the lesson that I did. It was horrible. And I emailed <laughs> him because I've seen him do those kind of lessons, the primary sources lesson. And I emailed him and he gave me all the tips and we found each other on social media by sharing the different lessons we do. He helped me retool a whole lesson um, and it changed everything about that lesson so, so you actually posted about a lesson that just fell yeah. flat on its face yes yes <laughs> that's wonderful i i think you know we, we got to open ourselves up to that uh um to, to me it's not uh, not a failure what do we say fail stands for first attempt in learning um so uh, you took that and you, and you you ended up turning it into a win uh, another great recommendation and you mentioned this earlier is green screening the kids just eat that uh, tell me about what you do in there. They do. And you can use green screening for any subject. We've used it in science. Um, we have uh, an observation beehive in the library. And so it's behind glass. They don't, the kids can't touch the bees. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> people always ask me that. No, they, they fly in and out through a pipe to the outside. Um, but we, we use the beehive in multiple lessons. So in science, um, bees do a waggle dance to communicate. And so the kids had to um, research the waggle dance and how they communicate. And they would do, they did a little waggle dance while explaining <laughs> about it in front of a green screen so that it looked like they were in a hive. We've done that. We've done um, social studies where they have gone on adventures to other countries, parts of the world, and they've done research. And then, so we've taken pictures or videos where the students got to explain a concept or another uh, geographical location with that location in the background. But when you do the green screening, you also have the opportunity to teach them how to do a Google image search and creative commons and what you can use and giving um, credit for, you know, the pictures that you're using and what you're allowed to use and what's not. So you can combine all of that with green screening. And you mentioned doing is one of the tools that you yes. use. I love doing. Yeah. I, yes. I think it is pronounced doing. I remember when I, I used to call it doink. I, I would even do presentations on doink and someone said, it's doing. Oh, so it's sorry. like the gif gif thing. You never know <laughs> yeah, if it's yeah. doing or doink. The, the, the great debate. Yeah. Um, again, we're going to post all 10 of these recommendations for you. We have time probably uh, for one more. Um, you mentioned an uh, using a, a digital interactive whiteboard. I love that idea because I yes. love interactive whiteboards. Anytime you can use a digital interactive whiteboard, it allows, there are some kids that don't like to, to talk out loud and have discussion. So we'll use something like Jamboard. And so I will have, a, maybe we'll read a story or we'll be, you know, culminating a lesson and winding it down. And um, I'll have them use an interactive whiteboard, put their thoughts down but where we're all looking at it, but they can't tell who's writing what. So they don't get too embarrassed. Like I can tell who usually who's doing it, but they can't. And, and so they're, they express themselves more. Um, so it's like they're speaking out loud and sharing their thoughts, but they're not 
nobody's looking at them and they're writing it on their interactive whiteboard. We use that for a lot for discussion. Yeah, it, it does. It, it allows that uh, almost an anonymity uh, to it uh, that allows them to, to express themselves without fear of, of being ridiculed or anything. I said we had time for one more, but I got to talk on one more as well, because you, you mentioned using a video discussion app, kind of like uh, Microsoft Flip, which was Pre previously flip grid yes. just flip um tell me about how you might use something like that video posting flip tool. we do so many different ways some when we'll have an author come visit i'll have the kids if they want to ask the author a question they can use microsoft flipped and they can pre-record questions and i can send that to the author in advance to answer when the author comes we've done that um, we've done, I have a book challenge called the mesh society. It's a reading challenge in the library and they have to read mesh stands for media, uh, media literacy, E for ethics, S for sociology and H for history. So they read one book in each category and then they have to use Microsoft flip to tell me what they learned. Did they learn something new about society or history or the way they think of things in the world? So they'll use Microsoft flip so that they get to voice that instead of having to like write a report or anything like that. And it still helps those kids that don't like to speak. They can blur their face or put a, you know, an emoji over their face. Uh, but then some of them can add backgrounds and things. It just makes it a more fun way to explain about what they learned than just a simple paper pencil. That's awesome. I've also seen the video creation uh, used uh, for, for like um, book reviews, peer book reviews. Yes where a student, after they've read a book, if they tell you, oh, Miss, Miss Jones, I really, really love this book. You say, you know, why don't you record why you loved it and what's so great about it without any spoiler alerts? Got to tell them that. Uh, and then maybe you slap a QR code on the jacket or something so that other students- We do, we do that, too. especially when we had, um, when we were in the school building with COVID, we ha had a whole book review board and the kids would read and share and comment on each other's and say, oh, I read that and I liked it too. And we had a whole discussion board all with Microsoft Flip. Oh, that is awesome. That's fantastic. Again, posting all 10 of these incredible recommendations that uh, Amanda gave us uh, in the show notes and on our social media. Uh, before we wrap up, I, I always take an opportunity whenever I'm talking to uh, either an English teacher or a teacher librarian. Um, I don't read as much as I should. I kind of, I fall in and out of cycles where I'm reading voraciously and then I kind of on a lull, but I need to get back into it. So I always like to ask, what are you reading now? What are your, your current book recommendations? And if you could, I, I like to um, sometimes read kind of in parallel two books at the same time. One just for fun, some pleasure reading, some, some crime drama or something. And then another is something that's going to help me grow either as a as a uh, educator or just spiritually or whatever. Do you have a couple of books that you could share with us? I, I do. Like you're nodding. You're ready to go. I, I do. I am currently um, reading Building News Literacy by my friend Tom Bober, who I helped, who, who I told helped me with that lesson that I was doing. He wrote a book called Building News Literacy, and it's lessons on building news literacy with, with elementary age and middle school students. So I'm reading that and hope, hoping that I'm honing my skills and, and making news literacy a little more fun, but um, where they're it, learning things. That, uh, news literacy, are we talking about helping them decipher what's true, what's fact? Is, is that yes. what all yeah, of that. Help. Yes. Yeah. Validity of websites, you know, and I hate to use that term fake news, but to tell how, you know, is this, is this a valid website where we should get our information or is it not? Um, and then for fun, I'm reading and I'm rereading because I love this book so much in the wild light by Jeff Zentner. It's a young adult book. It is the best book I've ever read in my life. And I told Jeff Zentner that on Twitter and he retweeted me. So, um, but I'm rereading it because it's just so good. I haven't read it in, in about a year. So I'm rereading it. 
the the uh, school librarian at the, the district I just left got me hooked on on some young adult literature. There's some amazing there are, yes. stuff out there. Yeah, one of my favorite authors, um, Richard Paul Evans, uh, who writes yeah. some spiritual adult kind of stuff. He does the walk series and those types of things. He also has the whole Michael Vay uh, youth yes. series that's that I love. And so, uh, don't don't just because you see it's a youth uh, literature, don't pass it up. It's good stuff. Exactly. Well, Amanda, this has been just an absolute pleasure talking with you. You're, you're, you're lovely. You do, you do incredible work. And I thank you so much for joining us on this inaugural episode. Of Thanks Ed for Death having me. I hope you enjoyed it. Any, any uh, lasting thoughts? Do you have advice for someone who wants to become a school librarian? Oh, it's the best job in the world. Hands <laughs> down. Best job in the world. Follow in Amanda Jones' footsteps. Again, you can find information on Amanda at librarianjones.com. Amanda, thank you again for coming. Um, we want to thank everyone that was watching. If you're watching live, we thank you so much. If you're watching the video recording on one of our social media channels, we thank you for that. Or maybe you're just listening to the audio podcast via one of your favorite streaming services. Um, just a quick teaser we'll be back on october 11th our next guest will be janet sanchez uh, she's a good friend of mine who started a facebook group for military spouses that do not speak english and she's going to talk about language barriers and what that did to her as a military spouse as well as a parent in schools we're going to talk about how do we overcome those language barriers in schools the military and nonprofits, because it's very very important that we make sure everyone is communicated with uh, when we're dealing with our kiddos. Amanda, thank you once again for joining us on this inaugural episode. Viewers, thank you for listening in, and we will see you next time on EdTech On Deck. Good night. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of EdTech On Deck. EdTech On Deck is brought to you by Ed Leo a premier K-12 communication solution helping schools communicate effectively and efficiently with their students, parents, and communities. Learn more about us at www.edlio.com. That's E-D-L-I-O.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode of EdTech on Deck.